Hey everybody, welcome to the Nerdy Rats. Uh, we saw Won't You Be My Neighbor, which was a really cool documentary about uh, Fred Rogers. And we're going to be talking about traveling with pets and more. Let's do it. everybody how's it going hey liz how you doing good i wasn't sure if i should answer when you said everybody because i was like am i everybody you, you're somebody i am somebody you're somebody to be oh that's so sweet so uh we don't have a lot of nerdy stuff this week but uh i feel like we have a lot of rat stuff to talk about yeah we um, got a lot of rat stuff and so we probably have enough nerdy stuff yeah. to be honest we just talk about whatever i guess so uh has been sick he got sick a couple weeks ago now? Yeah, what? it's been a few weeks. So he's our hairless guy, semi-hairless. Yeah, there's actually I had a video up on YouTube of him when he was tr- when we were trying to get him adopted. Um Aww. somebody wanted to know if he was cuz he's kind of semi-hairless, he's uh-huh. not full hairless, so I made a video of him oh, to yeah. uh, to show the family or whatever. And they ended up right. not, not wanting him because he was hairless and so we just adopted him. Yeah. But a couple weeks ago I noticed he was he seemed to be breathing heavy and he felt a little little cold like yeah he felt very cold and he seemed very lethargic and sick yeah so we took him to the vet and we thought she was gonna have to put him down and she yeah we were scared because his breathing she actually encouraged us to put him on medicine and see how he responds Mm -hmm. he's been on medicine now for about two weeks and he's not worse he seems a little bit better he's definitely more perky yeah, I actually think he's a lot better. He's he's eating a lot now, and he's more energetic. Like, he gets out of the hammock now and runs around the cage a little bit. Yeah. And I think his breathing is better because before, like, his sides were, like, sucking in when he was trying to breathe. But now they're not doing that yeah, as much anymore. Yeah, it's still slightly and labored. And yeah, but yeah. she said, well, our vet listened and said he didn't have any fluid on his lungs, which would have been a sign of suffering and crackling that you hear i guess um no the crackling is different i think but there wasn't either so for whatever reason he's he's okay like he wasn't suffering so it was okay to try to treat him yeah we've got another follow-up on friday to see how he's doing yeah and and he's on medicines i don't think we've ever used before with rats right yeah she gives us a bronchodilator and she gives prednisone okay yeah the prednisone's a steroid i know yeah so he's been on that for Mm -hmm. about a week he's been on the prednisone now for about a week though yeah but we're we're holding it you know we'll keep helping him as long as we think that he's not suffering exactly Exactly. Like it was we were worried like maybe it was congestive heart failure like our other rats have gotten a couple of them. And, you know, if that had been the case, we wouldn't have wanted him to keep suffering. Well, I know I was kind of worried it was similar to what Pinky had because she had a tumor that was making it hard for her to breathe. And I thought I was paranoid. He was. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the light. Like when you see something like that, you suddenly become paranoid that everybody has it. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, no, she, she, you know, I thought we were going to put him down and mm-hmm. she encouraged us to, to let, try try mm-hmm. him on the medicine for a while and see how he does. So, mm-hmm. And I will say out of all the rats that we've taken to her over the years to, to put down because we thought it was the end for them and they were suffering, he is the only one she has suggested trying to treat. And actually he's responded really well to the treatment. So, 
You know, I appreciate she doesn't encourage treatment when it's not going to be effective and it's just going to prolong suffering, you yeah. know. But I, I really like that she gave us um, her honest feedback that it could help, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's not, you know, it's always hard to say what the right thing to do is it in is. any situation. It because is. the rats can't tell you when they're in pain. No. So you kind of, you have to be able to observe their behavior and stuff and see and kind like of decide. And sometimes like, it's just a judgment call. Like yeah, you don't know. It is. It's hard. But I really, I appreciate that we have such a good vet, Dr. Foster, by the way, in yeah. Maryland. Yeah, if you're but, in this um, area, she's definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy he's doing better. I was really worried about him. Yeah. I didn't want to lose him. We just lost Pinky, and I, he's younger than Pinky is, right? Because we yeah, the, they're they well, were younger he's like than. He, He's between a year and a half and two years old at this point, I think. Oh, all our he's younger. Too. Yeah, he's she's younger. They're younger than the girls. Yeah, they're younger than Nim's girls because n- we got them as babies. Yeah, through those this fostering we do. Yeah, I feel like we got Nim and her her brood like in November, and then the following like February March we got the yeah because I feel like he's about five or six months younger than them so. Yeah. So. But it just just on top of that, like Pinky felt too young to lose. And now I'm like, oh, my God, not five old. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, our rat coordinator for Small Angels Rescue, um, Teresa, she reminded us that these six brothers who we had been fostering and who we adopted five and Peter out of, they had been raised in a feeder bin until the rescue got them. And, and so they were just in a plastic tub, which had no air circulation. So that's going to cause them to have more respiratory issues, um, more severely and, you know, probably earlier and younger than they normally would have. And and for many rats, that becomes like a lifelong battle for Mm -hmm. them too, because they never really fully get over it. It's just kind of like, you know, and they get to a point where like their breathing becomes so labored that it's, they'll start losing weight. And yeah, that can get, that's when it gets really bad. Right, and you so, have to make a hard decision. But Pavel's been maintaining his weight, so we're yeah. We're and now that he's eating again really vigorously, like that's an excellent sign. And his yeah. body temperature being warmer too, like that's really good. But it, yeah, it's a shame, like when the rats aren't cared for well when they're so little, like it permanently scars their lungs and stuff, you know. And yeah. also, we got well, we got two new boys. We do. The two little baby boys. I they know. were. They came from somebody whose, I guess, dog was not having the rats, so she gave so, them up. And yeah, I don't know if I should get into all. Let's the not get into all the specifics. But for but whatever reason, they kind of made an impulse purchase on the rats, and then their dog didn't. Was yeah, and try to when eat we them, first so. got them, we there's two of them. We named uh-huh. them Han and Lando. Yes. And Han is the little one, and uh-huh. I think he's about two weeks younger than Lando. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's about the size that we're going off. When we got mm-hmm. him, he was only fifty grams. He was like yeah. a little tiny baby, and he had a lot and of respiratory issues. He had breathing problems. He was sneezing. He was mm-hmm. crackling. So we got him on uh, Doxy because right. apparently, if they're very young like that, Batril could be a little too harsh. But Doxy is what our vet said to put him on. Okay, yeah. So we've had him on Doxy for about three weeks mm-hmm. now, and he's doing much better. He and he's is. up to like 120 grams. I know. I can't him. believe he's gained 70 grams. That's incredible. Yeah. We've been giving him and Lando a lot of scrambled eggs and a lot of oatmeal, cooked yeah. oatmeal. Because based on how old we were told they were, mm-hmm. they should have been significantly larger. Yeah. If they were as old as as the lady who given them up said they were. Well, and our coordinator thought that. Han certainly had been taken away from his mother too soon. 
Possibly he did, he Lando also. But yeah. definitely Han, she thought he'd been taken I away. I mean, too he, young. Did, he didn't look. There was five no weeks way he could have been five or six and, weeks old. And apparently, this person had them for a couple of weeks, yeah. too. So, yeah. I'm like, a couple of weeks ago, this rat would have been not that big. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, but they're doing really well. Yeah, they're they super so sweet, sweet and they're super friendly. Like, oh, my goodness. When I was given uh, Han his medicine, he would just run out and, like, take it from me. Like, I know likes it and i was wondering if it's because he was so young it kind of felt like nursing to him to kind of get it from the little dropper. i just think he liked the taste of it he was like so a couple silly. times i tried to give it to him he tried to pull the the, <laughs> the syringe into the cage with come him here, come here. <laughs> they are so cute and lando is ridiculous he's like more rambunctious and bolder but it's making me really happy that they're both getting so brave like i at, at first they were so little i would just hold them on my lap like in the blanket and not even let them run like under the blanket or in the armchair because i was afraid they'd get lost but now they're responsible enough you know you have to give them a little more freedom as they age <laughs> um, so they're they're actually brave enough and big enough now to like go under the blanket and they'll like climb up on my shoulders and they'll go run down to my feet and explore a little bit so I'm proud of them. They're doing so good. And our goal is, oh, so in our last podcast, I can't remember. Did we say we were going to try to introduce Winnie to our cage or had oh. we thought we had her integrated? I think we had just integrated her. So we were we trying. Actually, so I, if yeah. you remember, Winnie was another solo rat that came into the small angels rescue who were fostering in Twilight. And we were trying to get her integrated into our big pack. And she had done really well for two weeks with meet and greets and playtimes outside the cage and all that. But when we put her in the cage with them and we cleaned it first and everything, you know, she is too dominant. She kept trying to lick and bully everybody. And she really started bullying Squeaks like she wouldn't leave Squeaks alone. And, like, our rats, finally, they weren't taking it. And they started ganging up on her and bullying her back. And it yeah. wasn't good. We had to put her back in her own cage. Yeah. And we we had done intros previous to that, too. We didn't just throw them Properly, in Properly, right. That's yeah. what I said. We'd done it for, like, yeah, two weeks. And, uh, yeah, she. I don't know. It's really hard when they've been raised alone because Winnie was raised alone. And they really don't know how to um, get along properly with other and rats at first she, and she's an unspayed female too right. which i think makes it harder because they tend to yeah. be more more assertive and yeah. dominant when yeah. they're unspayed and yeah. she's past the age where spaying is really an option right it's um, not going to help and it wouldn't do any good and so we're kind of hoping now maybe we can introduce these boys and we're, we got to yeah, wait another week because we just got them s- fixed uh, Friday. Friday, so, so we got to give them. You have to wait week. a full two weeks after you get the boys yeah, neutered just to, to be get safe all the sperm so you don't, you don't get to die any. out. Yeah, yeah, actually, Teresa was telling me of an unfortunate situation um, she had heard of where someone introduced boys too soon after a neuter and the girl got pregnant. Oh, really? So you really have to wait a full two weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely. Um, yeah, but our goal and the rescue's goal in taking the boys in was that hopefully they'll be calm or when they've been neutered and it's taken and boys are more a little bit accommodating sometimes to controlling females. Well, originally we thought that the two, uh, we thought it was a boy and a girl. 
Well, the the we people thought surrendering Han and Lando them. told us that they had a boy and a girl, and when we got them, we go right. That's what the people no, surrendering this them is two boys. You just got one yeah. that's significantly younger than the other. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so <sighs> we're still gonna try and go with the plan to integrate them. Yeah, because we got them neutered, time. but and we're well, hoping they're young enough too that they'll they'll accept Winnie as as dominant like their mother yeah because because that was the goal and you know dr foster was saying to me i forgot you weren't at this appointment with me but she was saying that a lot of times boys are easier to accept a real bossy female like they don't mind yeah but, but other girl rats i've are noticed not, that we we've not yeah. i don't think we've had problems introing any of our boys toro just because he was raised alone he had some issues but other than Toro, everybody else, like Peter and Fievel were fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're hoping that Winnie will be more accepting towards them, too, because they're babies. And that she'll be more mothering and, and not, you know, that yeah. maybe they'll like her attention. Because she's not necessarily, she was bullying Squeaks, but she wasn't trying necessarily to be mean. It was just she wanted to be touching her and licking her all the time and she would run around and chase her and (laughs) squeaks was just like no you know leave me alone yeah well we'll we'll let you know in the next episode how how the intros have gone yeah we're crossing our fingers we're we're hoping it's gonna work out because we want winnie to we want winnie to have friends she's so lonely and we are actually still giving her um playtime every day with other rats from the big cage it's just i'm doing it in the bonding pouch and on the chair and i'm not trying to put them in the cage together anymore so at least she is still getting like snuggles with some other ratties but she's a lonely girl so it'll be nice for her to have cage companions yeah and uh you know it's it's summer now so it is i'm sure everybody's gonna be going on summer vacations yes we kind of disappeared for the last month but not because we were on vacation just because we're a little bit well, I did. What I wanted to uh, yes, segue into was yeah, uh, I know what you making plans for your animals yes. when you have vacations. Now, yes, it we ha- we ha- we're lucky because we have somebody that can come to our house and feed our animals every day. Yes, my brother. And, <laughs> Thank uh, you, Dad. He is willing to, and he's able to. And I think that's very important that mm-hmm. if you can't take your animals with you, mm-hmm. that you have somebody there every day to check up on them. And not only just to feed them, obviously, but mm-hmm. like you want, right. especially when you have rats, you want to have a contingency plan for if they get sick while you're away. Right. Because rats get sick, it's, it can happen very quickly, you know. Especially when they're older. And like we're at the point with our pack now where they're all at that age where something could come up really suddenly. Like with some of our rats, like with Fievel, it was like overnight. He went yeah. from being fine to being really sick. And, and Pinky if, too. And if you don't have somebody there to kind of keep an eye on them and mm-hmm. follow up, like they could suffer in pain for days mm-hmm. if something happens to them. Yeah. You so know. we're planning to go away some this summer and we've had to kind of make more elaborate arrangements than we have in the past. Um, like my brother doesn't own rats. And so he's fine with feeding them and everything, but he doesn't really know 100% what to look for or what he's seeing. And he's not comfortable picking them up or administering meds or anything like that. Um, so, you know, we're anticipating Fievel being on his meds long term. So we're actually going to have him and Peter go to a pet sitter when we go away later. And um, we also are having our rat coordinator, Teresa's, graciously agreed to come over a couple times and just check on everybody's health for us. Yeah. Since my brother can't do that. 
Yeah, and there's always the option of the, if you have if you have room, you can take your pets with you. Now, yeah. if you have sick animals, it's not a good idea to travel with them. Just yeah, because, our vet actually told us. Yeah, that, and to and I mean, even if you have medicine with you, like like if if you're gonna take your rats with you and they're healthy, it's not a bad idea to have some like Batril and Doxy and stuff on hand. Exactly. Yeah. For in case of like an emergency. emergency or somebody gets sick, mm-hmm. but you know, also if you have a sick rat, like like that's. If they go downhill quickly and you're not, you don't have access to a vet, you know. Right. And and it's stressful on the rats to have them moving around like that too. It's not gonna. Yeah, that's why our vet told us to plan ahead and plan not to take five yeah. with us and get him a pet sitter. Um. So and you know we're really fortunate that through our rescue we are able to find somebody else who's a rat owner who's experienced in administering yeah. medicines and actually we're going to be rat sitting for somebody else later on this summer too and it's actually two of our foster boys it's yeah. Felix and Ollie who I was calling Junior Willow and Junior Hummus when we had him because they looked right. like That's Willow right. and Hummus who were another pair that we had fostered so I this is the first time we've had fosters come back to us that we get to see them again mm-hmm. after they've gone to their forever families. So I'm very excited we get to yeah, pet that's sit gonna them be fun. this summer too. I'm yeah, but I mean, snuggle this, them. This is just another expense you have to factor mm-hmm. into when owning animals, you know. You when really you, do. When you take, tra- like, you know, we also travel with Kitten. We do. And, uh, you know, we have to find hotels that will take him and a lot yeah. of times they'll charge you like a fee. Yeah, they do. They like charge you like an fee. extra pet fee. Yeah. Yeah, so... You know, it's it always makes uh, vacation planning a bit more complicated, mm-hmm. but it uh, does. You know, well, because it really is like you have to think it's a living being, and most of us, I think, who are rat owners, think of them as our children, and a lot of people think of pets as their children. But even if you don't, I mean, they're living beings, so you have to figure out what you're going to do. You yeah. know, you can't just leave them alone, and you know, you have to make sure they're fed at the very least and looked yeah, after. And, so and, you know it. The bet, the more, the if you can get somebody that's going to be more interactive with them, probably yes. the better. Yes, you absolutely. Know? Because it's, it's one they thing to lonely. just come in and feed them, but mm-hmm. they do like having interactions. Oh yeah, like, that, like so. they they yeah like actually, it's hard on me to leave the rats. Like it's probably hard on them too, but. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to leave our ratties behind. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how we're going to solve that. We've kind of talked off and on about getting an RV down the road once we have some stuff paid off. But then, I don't know, I've been looking, like, at RV camping sites and stuff like that, and it's still $50 a night. And yeah, I thought I'm it not was sure like it's going to be the, saving the ideal money. The ideal yeah. money saver that you think it's going to be. It's also like yeah. the gas to, yeah, to it's a lot more drive an RV is pretty crazy. It's so like I, re- yeah, exactly. I thought it was going to save money, but maybe the only thing it would really do is let us like, we could rip out some of the couches and install permanent rack cages. Just, we could just sell our house and live in our RV. That'd well, save us some money. one of my friend's parents did do that when they retired. They got an RV and sold their house and, but, um, just live no. off the land. No, I'm 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 into too much gardening at this point. <laughs> no. And with all the rehab work we've done on this house, no. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't no. mind also having an R V possibly. I don't know. I just feel like it's it would be too much of a pain to store it somewhere and keep it up and make payments. Yeah, because yeah, it just feels like it's not the money saver option I had originally envisioned it being. Yeah, that's true. But perhaps still. I I think kind of the dream was to like install like rat cages yeah. in them and then just drive around and like a second cages. home. 
Well, you know, yeah, or just like animals. when we, or for whenever we go on vacation, like I thought it would save us money and we could take all our pets with us. Yeah. But and I didn't realize it doesn't really save But then save you gotta money. like, le- like if you got your pets in there, you gotta leave the AC running all the time. And that's That's gonna true. eat up all your gas. That's you true. Know, unless you find like an electrical hookup, but then that's where you're getting that's into like a hundred dollars like a night, seventy five dollars a night. Yeah, a night. Exactly. yeah. You know, it's so. not like you can just like le- like park it right. with your animals in there because right. do not leave your it, another oh, thing yeah, with yeah, the yeah. big summer. Don't ever leave your animals in the car for any amount of time. No, without not the at AC all. running, like yeah. like it gets hot so fast. In oh, the it kills them within, especially rats. Because rats will so die. Small, yeah, like it'll you, kill them within minutes. You could you could go in to to get coffee and come right. back and they be dead mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. you know th- that's I an mean, extreme actually, example but just don't do it don't leave your animals yeah. in, a, in a car with without the ac running ever yeah for any reason absolutely and like so. what i've actually been doing these last couple times going to the vet is like um i do take them out before i get the car running because i don't want somebody to steal our car but i open all the doors and i um turn the ac up to high and like while i'm getting them buckled in and stuff i'm like letting the car air out and like cool down for them you know yeah because yeah it can get very hot for them yeah so you wanted to talk about uh some gardening well, okay, this is kind of under local animal news. Okay. Yeah. This local is lo- animal news with the nerdy well, rat. Yes, local animal news. So I've been getting into native plant gardening, um, partly to like increase the butterflies and hummingbirds and stuff in our yard down the road once my plants get into it, partly because it's good for the environment and stuff like that. It's fun. It's, you know, but I came across this awesome book called The Humane Gardener by Nancy Lawson. Um, and it was very cool because she talks about doing like veggie gardening and landscape gardening where you're living in harmony with all of the wildlife. So instead of like trying to eradicate certain pests or being like so angry because the deer are eating some of your plants and the like ground eating the heads off of your sunflowers. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, the groundhogs are really bad about. Is it a groundhog? It is a groundhog. The groundhogs are being really bad about like eating vegetables and stuff in your garden and bunnies and squirrels will do that too. And um, I really liked her whole philosophy was that, you know, just plant extra for the animals and try to plant things that they really love to eat, you know, and then they might not eat all of your vegetables. And if they do eat some of your vegetables, like just plant a whole lot so that, you know, they're not going to eat them all, especially if you give them like a wide variety of crops and stuff to eat. And I just really liked it because she was, I don't know. I love animals anyway, as you know, you all know, um, as Matt does as well, but it's like, it was such a gentle approach. Like when, when you kind of get your environment more in balance, like the animals and the plants will all balance everybody out. How, how effective is her, her method of Well, it's very effective when you combine it with native gardening and with letting more areas go native. Because a lot of the problem is that when people just have turf grass on their lawns, there's nothing for the animals to eat. So, of course, they're going to eat like your special flowers and your prime vegetable garden because there's no other food for them. That's the only thing. Yeah, there's like no native wildflowers for them. There's no native plants. Yeah, and her point was like, you know, the environment's not going to be sustainable if if certain animals have absolutely no food. I mean, we're having a pollinator crisis across the country where the pollinators are dying out, which they pollinate all like 40% of the food crops. 
in the country. So we're all going to starve if the pollinators die. So it's going to be pretty bad. So I really just kind of liked her philosophy like, oh, okay. You can kind of live in community with everybody. And I wanted to point out our sunflowers, they did chop my heads off. The deer took some of my sunflower heads off. But what's really interesting is uh, like three out of the four that they ate are now growing two flower heads instead of one. Yes, they didn't die. They're just actually doubled instead Mm. of singled. And like in the book, she said that the deer tended to eat some of the invasive plants and they tended to prune some of the other plants that were kind of difficult to maintain. And like with my rose bushes, there was some kind of bug that ate almost all of the rose leaves. Like the leaves were like lacy almost because like they had so many holes in them. But the roses are actually just growing more branches now. And so the roses haven't died. They look a little bedraggled, but, you know, they're not they're not dead. So I think that's interesting that you don't need to use like all these extreme angry measures at the animals. So it seems like her plan is to just just don't do anything. Just let nature yes. find a way. Exactly. But the only thing she does recommend doing is getting rid of the non-native invasive plants because they will actually like stuff like the English ivy we have all over the backyard. Oh, the one that's, ta- that's, that's <laughs> yeah. eating my shed. Yeah, exactly. Like because the problem is they take over everything else and no animals eat them. They're not food, really, for most of the animals. So right. they just take every, they kill everything good. So she says, basically, get rid of as much of your lawn as you can. Let it go native, you know. Get rid of the invasive plants as you can, you know. And welcome everybody. And, like, everybody will kind of balance each other out. That's cool. Yeah, I I'm like it. I'm just watching Toro furiously organize his, his, litter. his litter downstairs. He's, a, he's a nest builder. Is he? He is. That is. What he's doing? Do you rem- that's what he's doing. He's you're doing a good job, Toro. Yes, you are. Taking mm. all of it and shoving it in the mm-hmm. in the igloo. Do you remember when he lived in the big cage? He would he would always be pushing it up like against the doors and stuff. Like he he's a very very diligent nest builder. He's mm-hmm. my nester. Yeah, the boys have like all been mommy. stashing their food in their in their little igloo too. The little boys. Yeah, the little oh. boys. Oh. Yeah, we're going to have to clean all their cages here. Mm-hmm, yeah. The next day or two, that's going to be a project. I we know. So now that we now. have so many rats, we have four cages of rats now. And I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I love yeah. the, I love all our babies. All right. Well, you want to move on and talk about some nerdy topics? Sure. Or? Although I don't know how nerdy Mr. Rogers is, but he's know. like he's everybody's he's neighbor. He's universal. Like, he's a universal neighbor. It's funny because I never really thought about like... You know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Like, I obviously watched it growing up from, like, a very early age, probably until I was, like, five or six or something. I don't remember when I, like, kind of outgrew it. Yeah. uh, So we saw Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is a documentary done by a guy who's done a couple of other documentaries. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the documentary that you you had seen that he had done? Um, He did 20 Feet from Stardom, which is about backup singers for famous musicians. And that was the same kind of documentary? Yeah. It was like all yeah. just footage and yeah, stuff, exactly. not like re- reenactments well, or anything. Well, it wasn't reenactments, but he had a lot of interviews with the backup singers, but but also like in this one with other people who knew them and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. it wasn't like reenacted stuff. Yeah, I was kind of, I, I was impressed with like the amount of footage that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, of, of Mr. Rogers and like just the way that he put the whole thing together. 
Yeah. It was really fascinating because it was like, it, it was like all these clips from all throughout the years and stuff of like, like Rod, and it's kind of like telling the story of this, of his life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the kind of person he was. And it seemed like every, every other scene, they were cutting something that where he's talking about something very relevant to what, you know, What's going on What's in our country on? right this second? And well, it was shows from like the 1970s. I, I wasn't going to say that, but just like oh. the way the way the story was like the way it was built was really good. It just mm-hmm. felt very natural. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing. But yeah, like I was really kind of I was surprised by how political some of his early yeah. episodes were and how he's kind of always been kind of semi, you know, activist. Like when he yeah. came back in the 80s in response to all the little kids like hurting themselves thinking they can fly because the Superman was real popular in the early eighties. Yeah. And all these kids were jumping out of windows with blankets on thinking they could fly. It's funny because like, I remember that, like I was like real young Mm -hmm. when that was a thing. And I think Mm -hmm. like in 1982 or 83, somebody, some, some newspaper took a picture of me and this one other kid that were wearing our Superman shirts on the playground. Oh yeah. And they just wrote like this, like a, it was just like a slow news day in Lakeland. And <laughs> it was like, here's these kids. Uh, I've seen that article. Cause your mom has yeah. it in her scrapbook. She showed me it was very cute. Yeah. But I mean, that was a real big thing. And he, yeah. had, and he had kind of, he had retired at that point and Mr. Was Rogers trying, had, yeah. yeah, Mr. Rogers was trying to do like adult television, uh-huh. which just didn't, I guess didn't work. Yeah. Really. But yeah, he came back. He's like, he, he did this whole thing on like, you know, superheroes and, you know, the difference between reality and make believe, you know, make believe and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like that was he, he you can definitely say this about Mr. Rogers. He definitely had a calling. Yes. You know, like he was. He, he did. He. And yeah, I was surprised that he was like actually a pa- he was a pre- was a Presbyterian pastor. Mm-hmm. He'd gone to seminary, mm-hmm. and he was he's basically like, you know, but like you never you never know that from watching his show. No, it was just like he lived his values out on his show. Yeah, I mean that's the best advertisement I yeah. could think of for any religion is like how accepting he was, and mm-hmm. and and how how much he j- like he really. He was interested in teaching children, and that was it, and yeah. looking after children. And yeah, you know, it, I he's agree. just like such a great guy overall. Like, oh, I know. He's you know, you always expect somebody like this to have like some sort of crazy, like, like demons in his closet, you know, or like skeletons in the closet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like something, something bad about. It. You can't find anything bad about this guy because he was just like such a good. He really had so many ethics and values. But you know what I liked about him from the documentary, too, was that despite all of that with his integrity and everything, he was, oh, sorry, I hit my mic. He was very human. Like, he had all this self-doubt. And, like, everybody else saw him as the great Mr. Rogers. And he didn't know. He wasn't sure if that was true, you know? And, like, he wasn't really sure if he had what it took to make a difference and things like that. And so I just kind of love that he wasn't, like, some superhuman we can't uh, achieve. Like, Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he's, like, perfect even in his own imperfection. Yes, like, so relatable. Like, yeah, like, I I think that's one thing that helped him, like, connect with, like, be good Mm -hmm. with kids is that Mm -hmm. he he had his own self-doubts. He kind of understood where they were coming from a lot of times. Yeah. You know? And that, it was just, it... You know, it, I I really haven't thought about Fred Rogers in such a long time, but mm. this was a great documentary, and it, it really, really kind of yeah. made me like you know think back to my childhood and 
Yeah, um, I remembered some of the shows, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I started to remember, like, the different puppets and stuff. I totally forgot that he had he had uh, had the puppets on his show, or that was, like, a big part of his show was the puppets and the make-believe well, place or whatever. Well, I remember, like, the castle, but I didn't remember all the other characters yeah. that were there on I the show. I do like that, like, his his cat his cat puppet, Daniel, he just had yeah. the same one for, like, 50 years. and like. Yeah. You can see like in different clips. It's like in different states of like bare and dirty, yeah, and like worn different out. states of worn out. Like I loved it too. He it wasn't was like very buying sweet. a new one every Mm-mm. every year to like. No, it was just like the one puppet. It was it was so sweet. And you know, I have to say, sometimes I'll turn other documentaries on on Netflix or things like that, and you don't realize how well done a documentary is until you see the ones that are poorly done. Like the ones that are poorly done just are so boring and they don't have a point of view. And it's like they're not even telling a story, really. It's like so I don't know. There's such an art to making a good documentary. I don't know what it is, but this was a good one. Yeah. You know, it was like and, well, and the other one was good, too. The 20 feet from startup. Well, I mean, so. a documentary is really a story. It's like I know you like there's this like kind of. I think a lot of people don't understand that. I think there's this kind of idea that, like, a documentary is just, like, all factual. It's just, like... Like a whole bunch of clips strung together. I'm just reporting the facts of the thing. But, like, I think the difference between a a good, like, a really good documentary Uh and a fantastic documentary is that the the person making the documentary is is focused on telling a story Mm -hmm. and is looking for the best way to do that with Mm -hmm. the available resources because Mm -hmm. you could just throw a bunch of like historical clips back to back to back to back to back to back to back and 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 it's terrible and it's just boring to watch like you're not going to get anything i've turned off so many documentaries you know but it's clear that's all they're doing and they don't they don't understand this is like all the you know all the interviews all these people that worked on a show for, Mm -hmm. for years and years and years you know, interspersed with all this, all this actual footage of him talking about things that are very relevant to, to today and like the yeah. story that's going on. It's just and it was linked together so well, like the way they sequenced everything and spliced the interviews and stuff. Like it just, it really was like a really beautiful chain that was just linked together really nicely. Yeah, it was really good. I'm, I, I want to check out some of it. this guy's other. Uh, documentaries because apparently mm-hmm. he's got apparently he did one on johnny cash i think oh i would like to see that we'll have to and watch that one we'll have I, to find yeah, it and we, watch it we i want to i want to well find i really the liked the 20 feet from stardom because it's really easy to have boring music documentaries when they just show like clips of you know music after music but like 20 feet from stardom was really interesting because he was showing like the desperation that a lot of professional backup singers for big stars have to actually be the big stars themselves. But like, for some reason they can't quite make it into the spotlight. Most of them. And it was really interesting to see like the different struggles, you know, some of them had with that and like the way some of them made peace with it and the way some of them didn't, you know, it's funny. I was I was actually reading Steve Martin's book recently. Oh, okay. And he kind of tells a similar story. Like when he was trying to make it big, he mm-hmm. was uh he was opening for a lot of acts, like oh, a lot of okay, a lot of yeah. a lot of like other comedians acts. and stuff. Yeah. And like he would check out the reviews, and like uh-huh. people would not talk about the opening act at all. Mm-hmm. And he finally said, "You know what? I mean, they're gonna make it, or I'm not. It's like I'm only going to play shows where I'm the headliner. I'm not gonna be yeah. opening for anybody else anymore." Yeah. And that's when he blew up. 
was mm-hmm. when he started doing that. It's like the first. It seems like the first couple of shows, like he wasn't. Yeah. He, he maybe had a, had an audience of like thirty people or something, mm-hmm. in a, in a suboptimal room. But like mm-hmm. he he just kind of blew up when he finally, when when he finally did his own show and mm-hmm. was like apparently like he walked outside and stuff with the mm-hmm. audience or whatever. Yeah, it's oh, just interesting because that yeah uh, yeah yeah and like I don't know it's interesting like with the backup singers it's funny that they couldn't see how talented and how gifted they were to have like this incredible career where they are performing live making music and a lot of them were sometimes better musicians than the than the headliner but like they didn't have the they didn't have the it factor you know like well, it's not always the professionalism and the skill that makes a headliner so it, it's yeah. interesting well, it, nobody really notices background singers. Like, you're not there to see the background singers, you know? Yeah, because th- ideally, if they're doing their job well, they're enhancing the performance of the headliner, yeah. you know? It's like when I find out, like, like stars or whatever that used to be backup singers, like, I'd, I'd never heard their name before, you know? No, but no, you don't. And, you know, it's like, yeah, it's it's interesting to me. I guess as a musician myself, it's interesting to see how sometimes like i don't know i was reading at it as this desire for fame and and stuff was like eating up their enjoyment of this amazing thing they already had in their laps you know yeah well, i think that's kind of like the dream of, of a lot of people in the industry yeah. is to to be the headliner be the be that act and you know have the number one record and all that stuff yeah but there's this yeah yeah and it's it's tough though like like anything like that like like when I, you know, I play Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. and it's like, I think everybody wants to be on the pro tour, but let's face mm-hmm. it. Most of us are, we're not, yeah we're, we're not up there. You know what I mean? We're yeah. just, we're just playing the game for fun. Exactly. You know, and, yeah. and I think some people let the chase of that, like, especially if they're yes. maybe not up to snuff. Yeah. The chase. Like that, like, like that, that becomes, it ruins any enjoyment they would have gotten out of, exactly. out of it otherwise. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like with this documentary, that's exactly it. And like, you know, one singer actually made great peace with, with who she was. She actually has become the featured female singer with the Rolling Stones on every single one of their live tours. And she's done this for like 20, 30 years now and she loves it and she's happy with her life. And some of the other backup singers were like, oh, she gave up on her dream. You know, that's so sad, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She headlines with the role. I mean, you know, she's on tour with the Rolling Stones as the featured female singer for like 30 years now. And she's loving her life. So I don't know. I think sometimes you got to like. You just gotta accept where you're exactly. at in life and like enjoy it. Like, exactly. If you're constantly chasing after that thing you don't have, like I mean, right. there's a point where it's like motivation is good, but then you also right. have to be realistic about what what's achievable, right, in your lifetime, and you have to. And also, why are you like, doing it? Are you yeah. doing it to chase the dream? Or are you doing it because you love it? Because if you're yeah. doing it because you love it, like maybe you should just, I don't know, enjoy doing it, enjoy having the opportunity to do it. You know. Yeah. So, it's our philosophic musings. Mister mm-hmm. <laughs> Rogers, what can I say? He makes you think. Yeah. <laughs> he asks the big questions, and now we're still thinking about them days later. Yeah. So I put this on here, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, this kind of happened a while back, actually. Oh, but okay. uh, We didn't talk about it in our last episode, but uh, John Bain, otherwise known as Total Biscuit, mm-hmm. uh, 
passed away. He had been fighting a battle with cancer for a number of years. I remember, mm-hmm. God, it must have been four or five years ago now oh that he was gosh. originally diagnosed with. Uh, oh, that's so hard. With bowel cancer. I think it was colon cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he initially beat it, and then he was okay, and then it came back, mm. and then it went to his liver, and. He just finally succumbed to it, but mm-hmm. uh, man, he—I remember the early like he—he w- he started out doing World of Warcraft videos oh. back when Cataclysm came out. This was like talking 2008. Oh I think, wow, or it's 2009. Like, like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he ended up doing a lot of uh, like. It, I mean, I guess you would call him like a video game critic, but basically, he mm-hmm. would do like he would have these videos like. Uh, they were all called like WTF is and then he'd just talk about a game for like 40 minutes like this is oh, a game cool. I played it this is what I think of it oh, you know cool. not really like like a reviewer per se but uh-huh. more like somebody that would present a game and be like here's my honest opinion of it you know and and he was very open with like you know he he likes certain types of games right and he would always say that he's like if he reviewed a game that like maybe wasn't his his cup of tea he would right. be like you know this isn't really my kind of game but I think this is what I think of it. But yeah, it was like kind of one of the one of the, one of the few people I know that would review video games. It was very open about it. like he was a personality and you knew who mm-hmm. he was. Mm-hmm. So when you got his opinion on something, you knew where he was coming from with it. And I wish more oh, reviewers nice. would have followed his example because yeah. he kind of he created a brand around his personality, around right. who he was, because right. you knew who he was when when you watch his videos, you know. Oh, that's really nice. And it was really sad. Yeah, his wife yeah. announced it on Twitter, and we all, we all kind of knew it was coming because yeah. he had been he had been kind of circling the drain for a little bit Aww. in the last. Uh, but it, but he, I mean, I know like the week before he died, he did his podcast. Oh, you know, and yeah. he he was one of the pot. Like I would listen to the co-optional podcast a lot when I was like thinking about starting the Nerdy Rat. Uh huh. And he was one of my inspirations Aww. for, you know, because it. it he was just, he, you know, he's just a content creator, but he he was he was a great personality and mm-hmm. an all, all around pretty good dude too. Yeah. You know, from what what I knew of him, but yeah. But, That's uh, hard. That's yeah, hard. Yeah, it's rough. Death is hard. Death sucks. Death is hard. Yeah. And you know, th- there's been a lot of stories with you know people like like killing themselves and stuff and. Yeah. I know I put something like that on the outline because you know what's really disturbed me is that Kate Spade um, the handbag designer you know I'm sure most of you heard she killed herself a couple months ago and she had bipolar and uh, somebody else recently killed themselves too well that Anthony Bourdain but see this is what's been bothering me since she did it it's like all these other celebrities and like quasi celebrities have have also killed themselves and it's been like eight since she did it and i keep yeah. reading about it on my internet news sites and stuff and sometimes it's a very minor it's this person related to this person in the industry or this industry person but i i hate to say it a lot of people copycat a lot of people who are thinking about suicide will copycat once they see yeah. somebody a famous person do it and um you know, I, I you know it's important to take care of your mental health. I th- so I think it really is, and you know, I recently have been seeing a psychiatrist myself, and I've been mm-hmm. we've been working on trying to adjust my meds. And I've been going through some rough periods over the past couple of months where I've just yeah. been really irritated, and you know, I wouldn't have classified it as depression. 
I would, but <laughs> Well, from my own experience, from what I thought, yeah. I mean, you could see that it's depression. I could see it. Because you know what it looks like. I do. I, I have a lot of experience with depression. I just consider myself a regular guy, mm-hmm. you know, who yeah. gets irritated sometimes with, right. with you know, with life just life in general, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But right. in the past couple of months, it felt like really intense, like yeah. like annoyances, little things that didn't really matter. Yeah. You know, and I, I you know, I, I didn't see that that was a problem that needed to be addressed. I was just irritated. Right. So because I, so you thought not, you were just, like, yeah. If you relate to this at all. Yes. D- please, you know. Get some, get, get some help. Get some T- help. Find a psychiatrist, find a psychologist, talk to somebody, talk to somebody right. at your church. And you know, it like medication for, for mental disorders is not like a bad thing. Like it's, it's and it's incredible and, that and Matt is saying to, that, I, by the way, because I, Matt was very resistant to going I, on medicine for I a used long to, like, time. I've come from and like, it has helped him so much. And it helps yeah. me too. I'm also have depression issues. And, um, and well, let, let me just say, like, yeah, go ahead. you know, I, I kind of came from a, a family and a background where, well, I don't know my family, but like, you know, kind of, kind of like an understanding that like, like you, like it's a weakness to, to have to take medicine mm. for like some sort of mental issues. Like, mm-hmm. like it's like a taboo, like, and like a lot you're of just weak willed, you know, yeah, whatever. A lot of and people are raised that way. And, and that's kind of like, you get that out in the ether. Like just everybody kind of mm-hmm. has that opinion that like, you know, Oh, well it's just, just people peddling drugs or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you don't need that, you know? And, and it's, in the church a lot. I think that's a, a real harmful thing that we need to get past as a society. Except that like not everybody, you know, some people need assistance to to operate at a normal level. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm one of those people as that, you know, and I'm working right now to get get myself right. in a spot where I'm not going to have all these problems, you know, yeah. like have this like cloud over me all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, that kind of follows me around, and and I, I'm noticing a difference with I since I've been doing it. And, and you know, I am too. I think some of my fears too were like, you know, oh, it's, you know, because I, you know, I used to drink a lot, and I had a drinking problem, and I I've been sober now for 13 years, and I was like, you know, I don't want right. to, I don't want to be go back to self medicating, and you know, right. it's not that's not what this is, because yeah. this is not like when I drank, I would I, I would drink and I would have an immediate an effect. So like being on like this kind of medication, it's not an immediate effect. You have to take it every day mm-hmm. and it takes time to work. Exactly. Like, and, and it works because depression has a physiological component Um, because there's chemicals and imbalances that you have to correct. For some people, it's a chronic imbalance. And if you yeah. don't take the medication, yes, you, it also helps to be working with your skills and reframing things and, you know, doing all the mental work you can do. But without the medication, if you have these deficiencies in your system or these imbalances, like you need the physiological component fixed as well, you know, and medication is the only way to do that. Yeah. And and I think if and I think there's a lot of people out there that don't have any of these conditions and go. You know, they make videos like Nicole Arbor's Dear Depressed People. Or she did some stupid video about this with a lot of inaccurate information, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to get into right I now. I don't know but who that is, but that sounds terrible. She's a YouTube person, and she did, she she's just not yeah, a very no, person. Not but, um, and her, you know, she's basically like, oh, well, you just need to, like, you know, 
be happier like, you know it's like oh dopamine you just need to get more dopamine you need to get hits the dopamine no that's not it yeah it, it's hard to explain to somebody who who chooses who, to be ignorant yeah like because i'm sorry that is willful ignorance yeah so i'm just saying if you know don't be afraid to talk about this stuff you know yeah if, absolutely if, if, if you're feeling you know any of these ways like you're feeling down you, you you don't know what to do you're unhappy with your life mm-hmm. get help don't be afraid to talk mm-hmm. to it with people you know i'm i'm trying to talk about it to to kind of break some of the stigma that right. it's like a bad thing or like only abnormal people will you know uh, yeah need medicine to you know be healthy yeah and i you think know, it's great I, you are. I, I mean that's why we didn't do shows in june because both yeah. of us were going through stuff yeah and you know it's like I also have high cholesterol. I take a medicine for that. Exactly. I take a medicine for this. You know, it doesn't exactly. make me less of a person. Right. You know, it, and I'm actually, your doctor told you in your specific instance, a lot of your cholesterol issue is genetic. So, yeah. like, your diet is not going to impact it that much because yeah, it's a I've, genetic component. And with depression, it's a lot of it, it's a lot about genetics. Yeah, and my cholesterol is now back to normal ranges because you keep taking your the medicine. medicine. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's no, our I little, agree. I yeah, agree. I just so you I'm know, glad. don't be afraid to talk about this exactly. Kind of stuff. And it's if not a, it's not a spooky thing. You're not a bad person if you're suffering with this. You're just no. a sick person. No, exactly. And, and, and I think the problem that I saw you struggle with, especially, was when you were like in the throes of the depression, is that remember depression being a mental illness, it tells your brain things that aren't true. So you know, you were trying to argue with me. Well, this doesn't mean I'm depressed, and this irritability is not me de- being depressed, and this isn't being depressed but if you actually go down a depression assessment all of that is on the depression assessment that is symptoms of classic major depression you know and so you have to get evaluated by a health professional your primary care is a great place to start um a psychiatrist is eventually the best for prescribing the medications because there's so many different ones and sometimes it takes trial and error and i want to encourage people on that too because um Sometimes that discourages people and they give up and stop trying. But sometimes you just can't know how your body is going to react until you try it. And that's why you have to stay in touch with your doctor and let them know about side effects. You have to be open and honest with your doctor about what's happening, too. Exactly. If you're not telling them something like. If you're not telling them the truth about some of your symptoms, like, you know, you're not going to get the appropriate medication. And if you're not telling them, like, hey, this isn't working or, hey, I feel worse or I don't feel any better, like, you know, that's not helpful either so you know sometimes it takes a lot of trial and error and but but if you are persistent with it and I say this as someone who has struggled with depression for years and I'm also a trauma survivor and have PTSD and um it you know sometimes it's not a perfect magical quick fix but if you are persistent and you're willing to take the advice of good physicians um you know it's very treatable yeah. Um, and, and don't hesitate if you are suicidal, um, please call 911 or go to an ER and check yourself in yeah. and get, just go to the hospital. Yeah. If, they if you feel will, that way, go exactly. To please don't, don't put your family and friends through the heartbreak because you know, you are worth so much more than you realize. And I think that's what's so heartbreaking is that yeah. when people kill themselves, they just don't realize how much they matter. And even if they do, I think it's hard sometimes to to feel like you're ever going to feel better from the way you're feeling. And yeah. again, that's a component of the depression whenever, telling whenever you things you f- that aren't true. Yeah, whenever you feel a certain way, you feel like you will never feel any other way. 
this too shall pass and everything passes the good feelings pass and the bad feelings pass and things cycle through so it's not nothing's ever permanent except suicide and unfortunately like you can't take that back once it's happened so So we just want to encourage you please take care of yourselves yeah Speaking of taking care of yourselves. I know. It was I, kind of like a joint effort. So uh, I got a Nest Mini finally. Yes! I Aided by his wife. Yeah, I so have to say I had the assist on that. Yeah. So you saw the email from uh, Think Geek that they were going to be going on sale. I did. I and saw And just the like email. I got my Super Nintendo, I just camped out their website when it was going mm-hmm. on sale and snagged it up. Exactly. I saw the email the day before that said, hey, we are going to have some in stock. They're going on sale tomorrow at 9 a.m. And I texted Matt at work. I'm like, babe, you have to get online tomorrow at 9 a.m. And NES Minis are going to be on sale at Think Geek. Yeah, and they were sold out within four minutes. Yes. I literally, I ordered mine. Mm-hmm. I went to go grab the link to post on my on the Discord for my friends uh-huh. to let them see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was sold out. Mm-hmm. It was gone. And was actually, gone. I saw on Facebook that people who were waiting for the link to post on Facebook, instead of going straight to the website and waiting for the link to post on the website, missed it. Because yep. by the time, before they could even get the link pasted and posted on Facebook, they were already sold out. But yeah. it did go live at 9 a.m. on their yeah, site. Well, so you shouldn't like have waited around on an alternate site. When they did the Super Nintendo one, mm-hmm. they were delayed in getting the link live. And mm. when they finally got it live, they posted it on their Twitter. And that's how I got the mm, Super Nintendo. Okay. But now this one, they had sent out the page for it, whatever. And I just kept hitting refresh at 9 o'clock. It, it popped up and I, I bought it. Got it. Yeah, and it's here. Yeah, and we played it's, it. It's really cool. Like it... Played some Ninja Gaiden, mm-hmm. played some uh, Double Dragon Two. Yeah. It, it. I now it. I know everyone complained about the short little the cable controllers. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of designed odd. One, you got to hit the reset button if you want to change games. Oh, so you okay. kind of have to be close to the unit, anyways. Oh. Okay. And then it's got a really short cable, so you yeah. basically need to have the unit right in front. And of you it to only play came it. with one controller, which was pretty annoying. Yeah, but the Super Nintendo yes. controllers do work for with the it. mini, right? For the, yeah, the super the Super Nintendo mini controllers work, work. with this. Yes. The Nintendo. Yes. But um. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm really, and it's it. you just got the save states for all the games, so That's you don't have to worry really about. Really nice. Yeah. That was the worst thing as a child is not being able to pause your game and save your game. Like, and oh, it was parents so would rough. get mad at you and make you turn the Nintendo Especially and the TV off. Especially games like, like Ninja Gaiden Two, where like you get <laughs> all the way to like you'll get to a certain level mm-hmm. and like you'll be set up to be able to do it, but then if you die, uh huh, and you can continue, but then you're missing the items you need to get oh, past certain. No. Po- I remember there was oh. one level in the original Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. And I was reminded of it when I was watching the the angry video game nerd episode about it. But there's one level mm-hmm. that's like impossible to get past if you don't have the the orange uh, star thing. Oh because no. That weapon, what you can what you can do is you can throw it out, and then if you jump over it, it uh-huh. you won't catch it. It'll kind of go around you in a circle. Um. Well, you need it to get past this one jump in the game because uh. if you don't, it basically becomes impossible because there's no power-up you can get between where you respawn at uh-huh. and where that part is that'll let you oh, get past no. it. Oh, no. So, yeah, it's good to have a save. Yeah, so th- now you can get to, when you get there, you just save the state, and then you can reload that save state. If you need to. That's awesome. So that yes. that kind of stuff makes, Good makes for adults. old Nintendo's <laughs> yes. games much more Yes. Well, I'm playable. excited. We haven't played it that much yet, but I'm excited. Yeah, I haven't even looked through the whole game list. So like, yeah. I know there's a lot of... 
I know there's a lot of really good games I want to play through. Yeah. But and there's some that oh, they got Tech Mobile that was good. Well, Looking you. at the list. Oh, Metroid! I want to play through that. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, Super Mario Brothers. I love me. Never my played Mario's Ice Climber. Yeah, Gradius, Ghosts and Goblins. I'm Wait. excited. We'll have Wait. to go through it. And this is yeah. This is the best one. We'll we'll have more reviews on more of the games. Oh, they got next Kid time. Icarus on there. What's that? It was an old arcade game that Ooh. I really liked. Yeah, it's got the Castlevanias, Bubble Bobble, of course. Oh, I want to play the Castlevanias. Yeah, that's what I want to play. Yeah, Super C. Yes. That well, all right. We, we should probably <laughs> go no, on to a different topic. But there's all these games. I know. Kirby's people Adventure. can Google the list themselves. Oh, I want to play Kirby. But <laughs> I'm like a cat. I'm like, ooh. Does glitter. it not come with the first Double Dragon? That's weird. I thought we were playing the first Double Dragon. No, we were we? playing the second Double oh. Dragon. Oh. Was there a first Double Dragon on Nintendo? Or yeah, was I, it have just it I have it upstairs. I have it upstairs. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh. I was playing it the other day, actually. Oh, right. I thought there were more games than this, but anyways, oh, wow. so oh, wow. I think that's about it for That's about it. We have to week. start watching Luke Cage. We haven't started that yet, so we're going to yeah. try to watch Luke Cage. So we'll have that to talk about next time. Yeah. Also, one thing I'm I'm thinking about maybe would just do the podcast once a month, but I'm, oh, I'm I don't know. Let's push. Yeah. I Let's mean, push for twice a month. We'll yeah. try. But we, I think if we say once a month, though, we're going to start slacking off more. Yeah. I think we should aim for twice a month like we intended to. And okay. and we'll see what happens. All right. So be here in two weeks. Yes. For our, two weeks. our review. Or slightly thereafter. But uh, aim for two weeks. Of Lucas Cage. <laughs> That's right. Luke Cage. His, his name is not Lucas? I don't think so. I think it's just Luke. Oh, yeah. It's probably Luke. Luke Cage. So anyways, if you really enjoy the podcast, feel free to to uh, donate to one of our, favorite, our charities. favorite charities. Small Angels Rescue is a Frederick County MD-based 5013C nonprofit, no-kill, all-volunteer organization dedicated to rescuing and rehoming gerbils, guinea pigs, hamsters, mice, and rats, and by the way. And by uh, the way, extra life. So, uh, no. Oh. I th- so, okay. I so I said we were done, but, but the but. new... The new Overwatch hero. The new oh yes is a hamster. A hamster in a robotic ball. Don't put your hamsters in balls. By yes, the way, yes, don't ever put your hamsters in balls. They'll come back in robotic a, balls and attack you. He's a hamster named Hammond, oh. and he's got a mechanized. Uh, oh. He he. So the story is he, on on the moon base where Winston was raised. Um, Winston was part of the genetic experiment that let him talk, so he was like super smart gorilla. Oh, okay. Well, Hammond was in part of that same experiment. He couldn't talk, oh. but apparently he could build things. Oh. And uh, he, He's he a cr- when, when Winston escaped, his pod was attached to Winston's and it broke off and he landed in like Australia. Oh, and he's he, like Supergirl. And then he turned his he turned his escape pod into like this mech and then like battled his way to the top of like Junkertown's like battle arena or whatever. Nobody even knew he was a hamster. But oh when you're my. when you're so like one of his abilities is he 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 the, the ball closes up and he rolls around and then he can like shoot this grappling hook and swing around. It's oh his, my God. The name of the character is actually Wrecking Ball, but oh. his name is Hammond because that's the name of the hamster. Yeah, and he makes all these little squeaks and stuff and the. Oh the, my oh, God, so that cute. sounds amazing! Yeah. I don't even play Overwatch. It but makes I me like want to play Overwatch again, even though I haven't played it in like two years. That's but all right. You can play. I was play so it again. excited, like. So brave of them to make a hamster the new <laughs> hero. 
So anyway. And Extra Life unites thousands of players around yes. the world in a 24-hour game. But you marathon. still got to sign up for that, though, I babe. You still have to sign up for that. And so I'm going to just say, Extra Life, if you so want to sign up for it and raise money on your own, you go do that. But you can't donate to Matt at this time because he hasn't signed up for it yet yeah, this year. I'm going to do that before our next episode. But you right. could raise money in a 24-hour gaming marathon. You yourself. Yeah, support Extra Life. Nerdy rats out there. All right, guys. All right. Thanks. We'll try we'll to see you, see you again in July. Right. <laughs> Bye.